it's it's <clears throat> I'm finally happy to be here up until now I was like <clears throat> but at any rate <clears throat> I hope we have some fun with this today um the topic or the title of the talk is Jesus the groundhog and the light the feast of flames like what <laughs> but this is all about celebrating what's called a cross quarter day and we're going to explain all this but there's I found a whole list of names for this very obscure holiday that happens in the dead of winter. Names like Imbolc, Candlemas, St. Bridget's Day, Carnival. There's references to all kinds of celebrations that happened at this time of year. Um, <clears throat> and knowing me, you know, that I'm going to have references. So if anybody wants to know where I got this information from, please let me know and I'll send you the, the, the references. Um, there's a lot written about all this. Um, and if any of you have heard me talk before, you know that I have a real fascination with history and that I tend to approach metaphysics as an applied science. I keep looking for the evidence of what's unseen. The evidence that points me to the fact that, well, we may not be really be able to see it, but there's a trail that's been left towards that. <clears throat> and one of the thing, questions that came up for this was, or the, a, a quote was, history is written by the victors. That's not exactly true. I found arguments against that as well as that, I think it was uh, Churchill used that quote. But the interesting part of that question is, if history is written by the victors, what gets lost? What gets left out? And one of the sources for my material was, <clears throat> says that it's important to understand that nothing has been lost or created. And I, I really did find some evidence of that because much of what we celebrate and have incorporated into our culture really rests on ancient, ancient things and beliefs and practices. Um, so our story doesn't start here. It really goes way back to ancient Greece, ancient Rome, pre, even before the establishment of Judaism and Christianity. So how does this relate to uh, our three stops on the Flames of Faith and Groundhog's Day? Well, as I mentioned, there's, it's, it's related to so many other things. St. Valentine's Day. Um, Carnival, Mardi Gras. It's just, fe February is just one big happy festival, apparently, in the past. And it's all interwoven. So it really did it reinforce for me the oneness. The more I looked at this, the more little tentacles and trails I found to other things that all led back to a common root. And I said, okay, there's oneness in here somewhere. <laughs> Or, you know, it's just really, it was really being demonstrated. Um, I also understand or sort of developed a better understanding of how and why, when we think about that demonstration of the one, how human beings kind of fixated on there has to be only one. Can't have somebody else's one, you have to have one. And 
that's a tale for another time. That's a really interesting question. And, but that's another, a whole other story. So maybe some other time. Now, the connections that I'm going to make are not exactly the exact order of the flames of faith, but it really flows between Judaism, Christianity, and the earth-based religions or paganism. Because if you didn't ascribe to Judaism, Islam, or Christianity, you were considered a pagan, which means you either didn't have a religion or you had a polytheistic religion, not a monotheistic religion. So it's like, how could it be both? But at any rate, that was the definition. Now, I talked about this traditional Candlemas. And if you're probably saying, what the heck is Candlemas? Candlemas is the Christianized um, name for this holiday at the beginning of February. Um, and we'll talk about more. But there's a whole interweaving between Judaism, Christianity, the earth-based religions, the Germans, Northern Europeans, and then all the way to Pennsylvania. So I hope you've got a lot of curiosity um, to take you along with this. And we're gonna look at these links of traditional candlemas to all those religions, and as well as tradition of light and fire, because this truly is considered the Feast of Flames. So our first stop, the Temple of Jerusalem, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus was presented to the temple, but why did that happen? Well, there were two reasons, and they're both part of Judaic law or Torah. Number one, it completed the purification of Mary after childbirth. Women were considered unclean for 40 days after childbirth. So they had to, there was some ritual, and they had to, you know, do some things to verify their cleanliness. It also fulfilled the Jewish law that firstborn children, or first, excuse me, firstborn sons, only the boys, sons had to be redeemed at the temple. There had to be an exchange of money or something of value. Now, typically that would have been a lamb used for sacrifice, but if people were too poor to have a lamb, they could use something else. So um, it's written in the Bible that Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves for sacrifice as payment for the redemption of Jesus. It also mentions that they brought candles. Interesting. Now, <clears throat> okay, so we've got this pretty routine Jewish ceremony that has to happen. It's codified in law. Why did this make any sense to the Christians? What? How did this become this big Christian celebration because it would seem that the work of Jesus as an adult would be more important to the Christian. But there's a little story here. So when Mary and Joseph get to the temple, there's two people there. Solomon, who was promised by God that he would not die without seeing the Messiah. And an older, an old woman, Mary, Anna, the prophetess, who lived at the temple and she had she also prophesied the the importance of this child and the light he would be a light to the gentiles so because of that there were also oh, i'm sorry there were also some other biblical passages passages about fire being an, a representation of god so there's a lot of mixture here between fire candles flames jesus christ as the as the light and that that recognition with the prophets 
um, there was a perpetual fire that was kept going at the Sol Temple of Solomon that represented God. So there's a lot of co connections between fire and the presence of God. And we have a couple more stops before we get to Gobbler's Knob, but I promise we're going to end up there. Now, let's fast forward <clears throat> several centuries, and we're going to get to the Roman Empire when the state religion, the state religion was the worship of their pantheon. And over time, you know, there were all these rules because God forbid some poor citizen would do something to offend the gods and there would be havoc, you know, invoked on, on the whole entire citizenry. So there were all these rules. And eventually they transferred, they, um, that, that religion was outlawed. You know, up until then, Christians were murdered and martyred and tortured and everything else because you weren't allowed to be Christian. You had to be he had to worship the right gods. Um, Constantine, Emperor Constantine, really transferred the whole state religion from paganism or their, de their deities to Christianity. And Rome became the seat of Christianity. It became the official state religion. Now, I keep emphasizing state religion because I recently came, up, came upon um, a quote that makes a lot of sense. Spirituality is a personal relationship with the divine. Religion is crowd control. And that sounds terrible, but when I really look back, that was how the tribe was kept together. That was what, that, that those rules and that overarching codification of behavior really helped to protect the tribe and keep it keep life going. So there, again, there's ancient roots into why that happened. It's gotten a little out of hand, but you know, there are some, there was some ration, there was a rationale for it. So, <clears throat> all right, we're going to get to the Celts. In 580 AD, Pope Gregory um, was Bishop of Rome, meaning he was the Pope. Um, and he decided to re-energize the missionary work to evangelize and convert the pagan Anglo-Saxons to Christianity. So he appoints who became, well, the guy who became St. Augustine as the first Bishop of Canterbury, you know, the, 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 the figure that crowns the kings and queens of England, you know, big deal person. So he sends St. Augustine up there and he gives them the, in this, these instructions. Do not destroy any of the temples and the shrines of the pagans. Reconsecrate them because then you will have people coming back and, and worshiping in the same places as they did before. So we're just gonna sort of change the decor and the painting and the, you know, and, and the designation, but keep, keep the same places. And what, what really happened in, in addition to that, that was monumental instruction. What happened along with that is they just co-opted all those gods. You know, when they went to, to celebrate the goddess Brigid, the goddess of fire in, in, in Ireland, they just eventually started celebrating St. Brigid of Kildare. And it just all kind of, there's countless deities, pagan deities who were renamed and sort of given a new role as good Catholic saints. So 
this those ancient practices that the the, the pagan Anglo-Saxons um, celebrated were pretty important at Candlemas. Um, there is actually archaeological evidence that goes back to um, Crete about the Virgin Mary of the Bear. They looked at animals. Um, bears are fierce protectors of their young. And they was sort of translated to what is going to fiercely protect the tribe. Um, so <clears throat> think about living in the old stone age at February. It's midwinter. It's freezing cold. There's not a lot of food. There's not a lot of warmth. Um, people start looking around for like, what's going to happen? We don't, we just ate the last of our supplies. What, what are we going to do? And the shaman tells them, I have measured the darkness. I have counted the days from the longest night. The light is increasing. The darkness is de decreasing. We're going to be okay. We're going to survive. We're getting there. Because they looked at the wheel of the year. If you look at the circle and you divide it in half, equinox, I'm sorry, solstices, and then the equinoxes, you've got four quarters. So Candlemas, February 2nd, is the cross-quarter day that marks the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And there are, so it was, the, again, we're tracing the movement of the light because that's what life depended on. So there are cross-quarter days all through, but we won't talk about them now, but back to the Celts. So all of this is informing what the Celts did and how this became Candlemas. So the major celebration in February on February 2nd was St. Bridget's Day. Bridget was the goddess of fire, the goddess of healing. She was a blacksmith. I think that was connected with the fire. Um, and the name of this day was Imbolg, meaning in the belly, because the sheep would have their lambs. It was lambing season, and they would produce ewes milk. So that was a source of food. It wasn't just used to feed the humans and the baby lambs. It was also feed, used as a, as a gift to the gods. Um, <clears throat> so she was the great mother goddess. And interestingly, we're going to take a little segue back to Greece. At this time of year, Greece, Greeks also celebrated the Eleusian mis uh, mysteries. I don't know if I said that right, but the Eleusian mis mysteries where Persephone came back from the dead living in the land of the dead because nothing would grow without her when she was in Hades nothing was happening on earth so people were going to starve so Persephone had to come back to earth at this time of year so the plants would grow again the threads keep traveling between cultures um so can this this celebration of involved with the fire festival um as I said, Bridget was the goddess of fire, fertility, healing, prosperity. She was a warrior. Um, her name, Bridget, even means fiery arrow, the bright one. So that was just co-opted into Candlemas. So we're gonna celebrate with more fire and flame. Now, another thing that people looked at at those periods of time, um, to tell it to tell them, hmm, which way are we going here? Are we going to die? The light's never going to come back, or how do we know? They looked at the, the, the habits 
of hibernating animals and look to see like, when did hibernation begin? All right, well, it starts when it gets cold. Now, when does it end? So when the animals started to sort of shake everything off and start poking their noses up out of the bear cave or the groundhog hole or the hedgehog hole, that was a sign that the light was increasing. So in Germany, the same celebration that became Candlemas was fixated more on the changes with the animals that were hibernating. So they looked at hedgehogs. By the time the Germans came over to Pennsylvania, there weren't, in, in the 1700s, um, there weren't that many hedgehogs, there were more groundhogs. So they co-opted the groundhogs, like, okay, we'll keep an eye on the groundhog. So that's how we started to celebrate Groundhog's Day in America. Again, it's all tied to the changes of the light that were so life preserving for ancient, in ancient times. And it's interesting how that, how that habit or that belief system or that drive is still, is still current. We still, we're still driven by that. So maybe now we're not celebrating the Feast of Flames or Candlemas, we, you know, we call it Groundhog's Day, but <clears throat> it's all about having that light in our life. And you could call that light Jesus, you can call that light, oh, great, fill it and fill, you know, fill, fill it and see his shadow. The bottom line is it's going to be six more weeks till the, till the till spring anyway. It doesn't matter if he sees the shadow or not. But the important thing is the animals are coming back to the full activity. They're starting to wake up in those little holes. <clears throat> so how did the Christians keep continue, you know, continue this? So they took, as I said, they, they co-opted or repurposed. I'm trying to find more positive words for this. Repurposed the goddess Bridget to St. Bridget, who founded an abbey. She was a wealthy woman in, in Ireland in 500s, 500 AD. She, she, I think she was born in 500 AD. She died in I forget when, maybe she, oh, she died in 525, but she is the first woman to have been, have a national holiday named after her in Ireland. They did that last year and they did it to coincide with the 1500th anniversary of her death. And interestingly, with the connection with fire, when she died, there was a, there was a perpetual fire kept going at the Abbey from 525 AD until 1220. AD. So that, yes, that fire aspect never really goes away. Um, so who says history is written by the victors? It makes you wonder because if all this stuff is still continuing, we still have the vestiges of those earth-based religions of the goddesses and the gods and the things that they valued and what they looked at. Um, and their, their symbolic representations with fire, um, it's still in use today. We haven't, we haven't lost it. So they, they haven't, you know, completely, Victor's having completely rewritten history. So that should bring us, oh, I, one more thing about Candlemas and, and the groundhog. There's actually a little song that was the British, ancient 
Britain put together about Candlemas. If Candlemas be fair and bright, if, if all right, if Candlemas be fair and bright, come winter, have another fight, flight. If Candlemas bring clouds and rain, go winter and not come again. The Germans just substituted the cat, the, the, substituted the animals for the for the for the hedgehog. I mean, the groundhog for the hedgehog. So, um, but it's still there was always that weather um, connection with with what happened to the weather on Candlemas and what that was going to mean. So back to that statement that nothing is created or lost. Interesting. I'm not sure what was created and I'm not sure what was lost. Well, maybe we have a new creation of a new holiday like Groundhog Day, um, but we haven't really lost anything. It still goes back to that. So there's a lot of commonalities and it just tells me that there's, I, what, I, what I realized is we're currently immersed in separation. Multiple tribal battles, even today, are raging all around us. And which one is going to be the right one is what basically we're, con we're fighting about. But as I looked at all this, what really came through for me was that golden thread that Holmes talks about that runs through all of these spiritual practices, all of these religions um, that links us and, and, and draws the connections between all those individual candles on the flames of faith linking us back to one. Thank you very much. This was a fun thing to do.